Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. All right, guys, let's jump in to today's message. Um, Making summer plans, who's making those? vacations, trips, weekends, and a lot of times our summer plans include activities around water. We always try to take a beach trip. Even when we want to go to the mountains, my kids are like, no, dad, we need to go to the beach. We go to the beach, make plans to go spend weekends at the river, except Sunday. Sunday's where you're at. You're here, not at the river, okay? Go to the river on Saturday, Monday through Friday. I don't care. But we make plans around water. One of the best like investments I ever made during COVID was the $24 inflatable 10-foot pool. Anybody else get one of those? And I thought, this is a great investment, just $24. I didn't realize that as many times as I filled up the pool and emptied the pool over the course of the summer, it's the most expensive thing. Like, we could have done a Disney vacation for as many times as we filled up and emptied that pool, but we're always thinking about how can we get around water in the summer because it's refreshing, it's hot. And for those of us who grew up in the 80s and 90s, when you went outside and you got thirsty, you didn't get to go back inside for a drink. You didn't get to go back inside. The door's locked. Mom's not home. Don't know, like, like you're on your own. What do you drink out of? The water hose, right? And I remember distinctly the first time I ever drank out of the water hose in the summer, I didn't realize you're supposed to let the water run out for a little bit first. And so you get that first stagnant, hot, nasty water, and you got a mouthful of it, and you either, like, I didn't know you could spit water out. So I just swallowed it. It's just like, well, it's in my mouth. I bet it's like, no, but you let that water run out of the hose for a little bit. Like, it's refreshing. And it's even better when it comes out of the faucet than the hose, right? Because you get that rubbery taste with the hose. But when it comes out of the faucet, it's so refreshing. And, and I want to talk about being refreshed today. Um, going back to a passage of scripture that we've, we read, actually spent a couple of weeks on back in April. Let's go to John chapter four. And this is the story of the woman at the well. Jesus said he must go through Samaria to get to Judea. And, and he stops at this well. And he stops because he's tired and hungry, but it's Jesus. Does Jesus probably really get tired and hungry? I mean, scripture in Psalms says that God never sleeps nor slumbers. When he rested on the Sabbath, it wasn't because he was tired. It's because he looked back and he saw that everything he had created was what? Good. And so I believe him stopping because he's tired and hungry at the well is not so he can rest, but it's because he has an appointment. And the the appointment that he has doesn't even know that she has the appointment. And this Samaritan woman comes up, and we know that, that Samaritans and Jews do not have a good relationship with each other. And so in verse 7 of John chapter 4, it says, This Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to get food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, says, Listen, you're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink 
for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And there's all kinds of cultural boundaries that are being broken here, racial boundaries that are being broken. One, you have a Jew talking to a Samaritan. The second is you have a man, a rabbi, a teacher, talking to a woman who's at the well at noon, which means that she is a woman of questionable character, right? And it's not someone that a pastor, so to speak, would find themselves alone talking to. And not only this, he asks her for a drink of water, and she says, look, um, uh, why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus is at the well. He doesn't have a cup. He doesn't have a bucket. So whose cup is he going to drink out of? Hers. All my parents in the house. Like, I don't necessarily enjoy sharing my drinks with my kids, let alone a stranger. And especially, like, if the waitress is not coming back through and filling up my glass and they're sharing my drink, and the closer it gets to the bottom when we're at dinner, guess what's in the bottom of my glass? Backwash, floaties, whatever they didn't swallow goes back into, it's like, it's disgusting. And so Jesus is not only saying, hey, I'm gonna have a conversation with you. He's saying, I I will drink with you. And so in order for him to do that, he has to drink out of her cup, completely unheard of in that time and as, as well now, right? And so he says, give me a drink of water. And she says, how are you asking me? And Jesus makes this statement in verse 10. He says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God that, that he has for you and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He's saying, listen, if, if you just understood gift that God has for you, and if you just understood who's talking to you, you would ask me to give you a drink because you have no idea. And, and to be quite honest, even as Christians, we don't understand what we have access to through Jesus. If we really understood what we had access through, the power and the peace and the joy, we would go to him asking him for more instead of going to things of the world, asking them for more, Right? And even if you're here today and you don't have like you don't have a relationship with Jesus, like our goal is to help you understand what is offered to you through a relationship with Jesus if you would just ask. We don't understand as believers what we have access to. And even as an unbeliever, like we don't understand the presence and the peace and the joy that comes when we ask from him. And so the conversation goes on. It says, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw and the well is deep. Most of these wells were anywhere between 75 to 100, 150 feet deep. And she's like, you don't have anything. How can you give me anything to drink? Where can you get this living water? And then she goes into a conversation about the well. Verse 12 says, are you greater than our father, Jacob? Jacob was one of the founding fathers of the Jewish faith. Um, one, of, one, of, one of the patriarchs of the children of Israel. And he dug and he built this well. And she's saying, how can the water you give me be any greater than Jacob and the well that he drank from himself and gave to his sons and their livestock? Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty when? Again. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them 
will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up in eternal life, or think of it as a wellspring of eternal life. Like, like it's constantly being refilled. It's constantly being refilled and flowing out. And the woman says this, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. And so we can think about that from a couple of different perspectives. Like she is like she's wanting what he's offering because it is going to give her more than this natural physical water. He has now changed the conversation. He begins to change the conversation because he asks her, he says, listen, go get your husband. And what does she say? I am not married. And so she understands like her lifestyle is irreputable. And so she says, look, I'm, I'm not married. And, and Jesus looks into her situation, knows exactly what's going on and says, you're right. He doesn't like, how dare you? He doesn't shame her. He doesn't guilt her. But he says, you know what? You're right. You've been married five times before. And the man that you're living with now, you're not married to him. And so he's, he's now moving the conversation from natural water, a natural craving, a physical craving to spiritual matters to something that, that, that she doesn't even really know that she's wrestling with. There, that there's not just this physical thirst. Listen, it's not just this physical thirst that she's there to get water, but she's in relationship after relationship after relationship because of a relational thirst, a relational craving that she's trying to have met. But it's not just a relational craving, but there's this, there's this craving for belonging, there's this craving for intimacy that she feels like she can only get from a husband or another relationship. And I would even say there is this craving for an identity because if she's been married five times before, like this is like, that's rare by today's standards, even in our world, in our culture. So it's especially rare in this culture. So something is going on. And, and guys, as you look, it's like why people would divorce. And one of the things I found out, which was just mind-blowing, like if in, in, in this time, it was actually allowed if a wife could not bear children after 10 years, the husband could divorce her because of that. And so you got to think there are some identity things that may be weighing on her because of these past relationships. And she's trying to fulfill an identity. And I got to thinking about this, even in my own life, that an unsatisfied craving. So whether it's a craving for like identity, relationships, intimacy, and an unsatisfied craving is often the symptom of an unrecognized spiritual desire. It's the symptom of something greater that, that she's not even aware of. Like we all have things in our life that we don't know that we don't know, right? And when we find those things out, it's just like our whole worldview opens up. Like I had no idea like that was true about me. And we've been going through our life for however many years not knowing that this was the reason we acted this way. We, we made these decisions. It was something that we did not know that we did not know until we know it right? And this is where this woman is at. She did not know that her desire for relationships was actually a greater spiritual desire of being connected in relationship with the one who created her. 
And so Jesus reveals himself to her as being the Messiah. And, and thinking about this, like we all, we all, even myself, have these spiritual longings, these spiritual desires that we go to other things for, other wells for to be satisfied. Whether it's career, relationship, finances, whether it's experiences, we go to these things for satisfaction when it can only truly be satisfied with a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus said this, if you would just ask me, I would give you water that would keep you satisfied eternally. And he speaks about this in John chapter seven. Again, it says, on the last day, John chapter seven, verses 37 through 39, he's, he's at the festival of the shelters. And it's, it's the last day, it's the climax of the festival. And if you think about like how many people are there celebrating and you think about Taylor Swift, who was in Nashville last weekend and just broke all the attendance record. Y'all, people stayed, and that might've been you, good for you, but I'm not staying in the rain four hours so that I can stay up till 2 a.m. in the rain to watch somebody perform if you like. Great. But, but think about the climax of that. And so Jesus is at the climax of this festival and, and he shouts out. He says, anyone who is thirsty, anyone who is thirsty can come to me. So if you're thirsty, and, and we think about this, this craving as being a deeper spiritual desire, and he's saying, look, if you're thirsty, come to me. If you're desiring something that, to, to be fulfilled in a greater way, come to me. But he doesn't just say, come to me. If you believe in me, then you can come and do what? What does it say? And drink. So he's not saying just come to me. He's saying come to me and drink for the scripture declares rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers of living water will flow out. of. He's saying come to me and drink from these living waters that flow out of me. And it says that, that when he said this, the living waters, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him, but the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Now, now, stay with me just for a moment as, as I talk about Jesus not actually being the refresher. Jesus is just the whale. The refresher is the Holy Spirit that we receive when we come into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus was the sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, but it's the Holy Spirit that works within us as, the, as, as, as working in us to refresh us, to um, rework us. The well is not the refresher. We get access to the water through the well, but the well doesn't refresh us. Jesus is the well, and we get access, because he says, if only you knew who I was, you would ask. If only you understood what I could give you, you would ask. He's talking about, I can give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can refresh you, and it can revitalize you greater than anything else that you could ever imagine. Jesus is the well of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, his work in us. The Holy Spirit is the work in us, working in regeneration. And one of the verses he's, he's referring to in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 11, he says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength, giving you water when you are dry, 
restoring you, restoring your strength, and you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring, giving you water when you are dry. Growing up, my dad liked to do a lot of yard work, and I used to hate it. But guess what I really enjoy doing now? Yard work, right? And in and, and West Tennessee, in northern Mississippi, um, we had these places called slug burger shacks. Does anyone in here know what a slug burger is? Wow, no one? A few, come on, a few of my West End folks. So a slug burger, is, it's, it's not a slug, okay? It's not, it, it's like this heavenly mixture of some sort of soybean and fat and lard and grease and you mash it together and make a burger and then you deep fry it until it's golden brown. And the thinner, the better, because it's crispy with a little mustard and pickle, no ketchup and onions. Get out of here with that, right? And so we would go to these slug burger shacks after working in the yard and just being all hot. And, and I remember the feeling of just being so parched and I would get a Dr. Pepper or a Coke in a glass bottle. Let's go. It just hits different in a glass bottle, right? It tastes different in a glass bottle. And I remember taking that first drink and feeling the ice cold soda go in my mouth and all the way down into like, like my lungs. Like it just felt so, anyone else know what I'm talking about? When you haven't had something to drink and that just refreshing feeling of having something to drink. And what Jesus is saying is, look, the, the, the Holy Spirit is like that. Isaiah is saying, look, like come to me for refreshing, continual refreshing when you are dry. And for some of you in here this morning, like what you experienced during worship and in prayer, like that's what God wants to do in your life all the time. It, it's, it, it's not just for the right song set on a Sunday morning when you've had your latte just in time, right? God wants, to, God wants that to flow in you all the time as we stay connected to him through the Holy Spirit, continually giving us water and refreshing when we're dry. Isaiah 55, he also, he also kind of references this in a way. He says, come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? And, and, and if we think about how can we enjoy God's refreshing through the Holy Spirit, we think, well, I've got to be good enough. I've got to act right. Like those are all disciplines, yes, but we come. It says come without money. Come without having to worry to pay for it because you know why you can't pay for it? Because the cost is too high. The cost is too high for us to receive that and the price has already been paid. Your tab's already covered. How great is it when you go to a restaurant and you find out somebody's already paid your bill? Like it makes that meal so much better, right? It's like, I don't, especially now with prices, right? Come on. Like we went to IHOP for a family of five. Y'all, like it was like $80 coming out of there for some pancakes and some waffles. I remember going to like Outback and we could feed all, like we could feast on steak. Instead, you get pancakes and waffles for $80. But the bill, like going and knowing that your bill is paid for us to come into God's presence, there's not any money we have to bring to the table. There's no good deeds that we have to bring to the table. The price is already paid and we can eat for free. We can drink for free. We can be refreshed for free. And he says this, why? Spend money on what's not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy. 
Um, we've all bought things that we were unsatisfied once we got it, once we opened it, once we ate it, like it just didn't satisfy. And we've all spent our labor on things that did not satisfy. We've worked for things that did not satisfy. We have worked in things that did not satisfy. Like the woman in the well with all of her relationships, like she probably worked really, really hard in that first relationship, but needs weren't met. There was satisfaction. She worked doubly hard. I gotta make this next one work. She worked doubly hard. And, 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 and I've heard people say like, you climb to the top of the success ladder only to realize you climbed the wrong ladder. It's like, I don't want that for you. I don't want that for us. I don't want us to labor in vain. And so I wanna ask you, like, where are you laboring in vain? Where are you putting your energy and your time and your work into that does not have the return that spending time and energy with Jesus and the Holy Spirit has a much greater return? You know, one of the things that I, I, I love my dad and you know, was this year he passed away 10 years and he worked, he worked a lot and that was his way of showing love and providing. And, and I may have shared this before, but I remember being in my, in my mid-20s, starting my family of my own. And he had finally worked to a point where he had like six or seven weeks of vacation. And he would say, Stephen, you guys need to come down. Like, whenever you can, I can take off whenever I want. I'm like, Dad, I work all the time now, and I've got a family of my own. You kind of missed it. Kind of missed it. And that's, that's heavy to realize. But I don't want us to climb to the top of the ladder and realize we climbed the wrong one. Instead of investing in things that's gonna have a refreshing and refilling through the Holy Spirit. And, and, and a couple of verses that have really, I've just been chewing on. We go to Jesus. He says, all of us who are weary and heavy burdened, we come to him and he gives us rest, not of, of himself alone, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this, this verse, Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13, is just really like from a personal standpoint, guys, and also from a church standpoint, he says, he says this, the prophet is talking to the children of Israel because they have turned away from their God. And he says this, my people have committed two sins. He says, my people have committed two sins. One, they have forsaken the spring of living water. They have forsaken me, their spring of living water. I am their source of life. I am their source of refreshing. They have forsaken me, but he says, two, they've dug their own cisterns. They've dug their own cisterns. It says broken cisterns that can't hold water. And if you think about, this is an arid culture. It's an arid environment. And so there's not a lot of rain. And so your access to water comes through fresh water, through wells and rivers and streams. Or you carve out these cisterns within the ground to collect rainwater, to collect runoff water. And that water is not fresh. And he says, not only have you built cisterns, but you've built broken ones that they can't hold what you're trying to get them to hold. And I think about things that we dig and we build in our life to try to help us hold on to satisfaction, hold on to confidence, hold on to these things. Guess what they are? They're broken. And they can't hold what it's meant to hold. The only place we can find refreshing is to go back to the river of life that Jesus talks to. And some of these cisterns, like we probably dig them without even realizing that we're digging them. You know, for me, for like in this culture, and I know it seems trite and it seems like not that big a deal, but that's how the enemy works 
is through things that we think are not that big of a deal. And we wind up with these cisterns of scrolling and binging, I think are two of the biggest ones in this culture. We will find ourselves on our phones, on our computer, scrolling through the news, scrolling through social media, trying to find some sort of fulfillment there. Something to make us feel better about ourselves, new information that we can gather. And anytime I turn my phone off, it's like, I'm only gonna get on here for five minutes. What does five minutes turn into? 15, 30, an hour, watching like 12 second clips of people lip syncing and doing these ridiculous dances that I've found out I'll never be able to do. Okay, so that's just depressing in of its own right. Like, like the older I get, I just, I just can't do it. I'm just not as cool. But I walk away feeling less fulfilled than I did when I turned my phone on. Or maybe we've had a tough day. We just want to veg out. We don't want to think about anything. And so we'll turn on the TV. And people used to think like we're saving so much money because we're cutting cable. If you were to add up all your subscriptions, <laughs> if you were to add up your Prime, your Netflix, your Hulu, your Sling, your all these things, you're probably paying just as much as you were in cable, right? little bait and switch. But we sit down, I'm just going to watch one episode. Turns into a second episode. And we get up off the couch. I call it like I get locked down on the couch at times. And we walk away feeling worse than when we sat down. Guess what that's become? A broken cistern that can't handle and can't hold the refreshing that we think that we need. Relationships, they're broken cisterns. The only whole living, well-living spring. He says this, my people have turned and forsaken me the spring of living water. And so where have we dug broken cisterns? And I don't mean just personally, like I got convicted about this with the church. And we think about how we try to draw people into the church. I'm all about having fun and being life-giving. But I think in America's church, even today, we are digging broken cisterns and hoping to collect and draw people in. And we're giving them things that can't sustain them. We're going to have fun. We're going to do ice. We're going to do all of that. But on the foundation of all of that is Jesus and the Holy Spirit the presence of God in our life, that is the one well that won't run dry. I want to give us one last kind of imagery. Um, Ezekiel the prophet has this vision about God's, God's temple being rebuilt. And it starts in Ezekiel chapter 40 and goes all the way pretty much through the end of the book, the end of the prophet. And so he, he has this tour guide in this vision, I believe it's Jesus, and he's showing him what the temple, temple is gonna look like inside and out in the courts, how the water's gonna be divided, or how the land's gonna be divided. And it says there's this river that's flowing from the temple, out of the temple. And he's giving him a tour of this river, and they're walking down this river, and at every little piece, they're stepping into the river. And, and, and at the first place they step in, the river's only ankle deep, and they step in. And they go down the river a little bit more, and they step in, and it's, it's knee deep and they go down a little bit more and they step in and it's waist deep and they continue going until it's so deep you can't cross it. You can only get in and, and swim across. And then he walks back down the river and he sees this time, he sees trees along the river that are bearing fruit and he sees people fishing along the river and it says that, that as the river is running into the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea is, guess what? Guess what it is? It's dead, 
There's no life in it, except at this place where the river is running into the Dead Sea. There is, there is fresh, life-giving water there where it says swarms of life and fish are gathering there. And then, and then it says this in verse 12. It says, fruit trees of all kinds grew on both sides of the banks of the river, and their leaves, the leaves of these trees will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. And just picturing the Holy Spirit, the water from God's presence flowing to us, the spirit from God's presence flowing to us. And it says their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. The fruit of our lives a life that is led and connected and filled by the Holy Spirit. We know in Galatians that there are fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And this last one we all struggle with and need is self-control. And if you think about fruit and food being a nourishment and you look in the culture today, in the world today, the world needs this fruit the people around us need this fruit. We have a responsibility to nourish with the food and the fruit that we have. And it says that the leaves are for healing and thinking about leaves for healing as, as for a covering. Like when we were in Northern California a couple of years ago, like it's the first time I'd ever been there. And it gets like, it gets hot there, like really hot in the afternoon and like in the mornings and you know, it's cold, you're putting on a hoodie, you got your sweats on, then by noon you're in shorts and T-shirt by three o'clock, man, it gets hot. But in Northern California, unlike Tennessee, you can go in the shade and cool off. You can go in the shade of the trees and cool off. In Tennessee, you get in the shade, guess what? You're still sweating because it's humid. But there's something it says about these trees that are fed by the Holy Spirit. Their leaves bring healing. They bring shade. They bring protection. And thinking about you and I as believers, for those of us following Christ, like that's what our life should exude. That we should be planted by the river, rooted by the river through the Holy Spirit, bearing fruit in our lives that nourishes the people around us and, and brings shelter and shade and protection. As a church, we should be able to do that. And so thinking about this in, in, as an illustration of the Holy Spirit, and what it looks like to walk and to move in the Holy Spirit and thinking as a river flowing of the Holy Spirit from the temple and it says, step in and it's ankle deep. You step in and it's knee deep. You step in and it's waist deep and then you're swimming in it. And, and I grew up Baptist. Any Baptist folks in the house? Let's go, right? We didn't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot. Um, that was taboo. It was scary. And then I married a Pentecostal and that's just craziness, right? <laughs> and so you kind of come to the middle of a, of a Baptocostal and just like, there's truth and there's power and how do we walk in that? And I believe God's wanting to take some of us on a journey down that river and walking in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. But I know there are some of us in this room that we have no understanding and it, it seems foreign and we don't understand it. Or there's some of us in this room that maybe we, we had an experience that, that maybe wasn't genuine and it was scary and it was man-made as a broken cistern. Not judging their hearts, but I've been in those meetings where it's like, this, this feels off. And so we back away from experiencing anything of the Holy Spirit. But I believe God's wanting to take us as a church, us as individuals on a journey where some of us, you're gonna tiptoe and it's gonna be like ankle deep. 
But then as you grow in God and understanding, it's going to get knee deep, it's going to get waist deep, and you're going to be swimming in what he's wanting to do in your life. Two summers ago, um, we went on vacation, and my middle daughter was kind of afraid of the beach. I love the ocean. Like, I would much rather get in the ocean than a river. Anybody else? Like, you can see the bottom. I know what's there. Um, And so she was terrified. The waves were really big. And so she had to go out. She had to go out with... With, with dad, my younger daughter, we had to go out with dad. Um, she was afraid of the waves. And so the waves would come, she would squeeze real tight, and we would jump with the waves. Dad would jump with her. And then the next day, she finally get the courage, like I was like, had to peel her off of me, you know, and put her in the water. I was like, you're gonna be safe, it's gonna be okay. Dad's, dad's got you. Second day, dad's holding both hands. The waves come, we jump together. Third day, dad's only holding one hand. Waves come, we jump together. Fourth day, dad's there not holding a hand. Waves come, we jump together. Fifth day, we're like, where's Amelia? We're like, anybody say, and she's like out in the waves jumping because she had grown accustomed to the waves of what was happening in the ocean. Now, what does this mean? It's like, I believe we can grow to feel safe with the waves of what God wants to do in our life. And, 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 and we had this saying that on the other side of fear is fun. And sometimes the things of God, like we talked about in our prayer time, can be um, uncomfortable. But on the other side of that uncomfortableness at times is life. And that's what I want us to experience. And so I want you to have this picture. A couple things this week. I want you to, like, where are you laboring in vain? and trying to fulfill that only the Holy Spirit can fulfill. Where are you, are you digging? Where are we digging these broken containers and trying to hold things that only the Holy Spirit can fulfill? And then get this picture of your life as you're living and sinking in line with the Holy Spirit that you are bearing fruit in every season, not just for yourself, but for those around you, and that your presence brings shade and comfort to those that are around you. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and that's where we need to start. That's where we need to start in a relationship with him in that you say yes. He says, if you're thirsty, come. If you're thirsty, if if what you're doing is not working, come. And then when you come to me and you believe in me, you can drink, you receive my presence, my spirit. So let me just pray for us. Father, I thank you. for what you've done today, even during worship, even during this word, that it would go out and do exactly what you want it to do, bearing fruit in every season, um, where leaves do not turn brown, that we are living a life that is nourished by your spirit, that is satisfied by your spirit, that we stop building these broken cisterns of things that we think satisfy temporarily, but we lean into your spirit and your presence. And God, if there's anyone here today that does not have a relationship with you, God, I pray they simply just say in their own words, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm thirsty. What I've been doing isn't working. I'm not satisfied. And I realize that all these things that I'm doing It's just because I have a greater desire that can only be filled by you. And so Jesus, I give you my life. Sorry for what I've done. Forgive me, direct my life. And just as the woman at the well left her shame and her guilt 
and her identity even. God, you met her there. You transformed her there. God, that you would meet us here, transform us. Your word says that all those who are in Christ are a new creation. All the old is gone and all things are made new. And God, for the rest of us that as we follow you, sometimes there can be moments of uncertainty, but God, bring us back to your spirit to be refreshed, to be renewed, to receive that life that we have through you and through you alone. So Father, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we say, amen.